Welcome to East Meets West, episode 414. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Roger Chang. And Roger has a brand new fence. Are you excited? I guess. It took a big chunk of my wallet along with it. But uh, Is it in the fence, the wallet? Can you find it? No, no. Mm. It's the guy who put the fence. He charged my credit card. (laughs) Oh, so you you haven't lost the money yet. Not till you pay your credit card. That is true. I could I could be very selective on uh, on payment, but uh, yeah. So my my neighbor and I share a common fence, Mm-mm. and uh, she found some termite um, activity on yeah. the fence, and so I mean, part part of what's so annoying is it just goes beyond the fence. I also spent an additional thirteen hundred bucks on um, on a, a termite inspection slash abatement uh, uh, program. Although I will say the, the Terminex abatement program was kind of cool because I also opted for the insurance version. So after they inspect it, um, they gave me a, a all clear, like there, there was no sign of, of termites in my house, um, in the Good. roof or underneath. And so I could pay for, I, for 1350. I, 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 that I, that I gave them, they basically would missed out the the uh, the attic, which this you know I don't see it is a chemical a chemical compound sure. that would kill termites as soon as they eat. But but along with it, there's a insurance program. So if there's any sign of termites after that, dry rot termites. Not there's two types of termites, mm-hmm. dry rot, which is the flying kind of termite. Mm-hmm. Um, they would fix it for free. Got it. So you you've you've insured yourself against future dry rot termites. Crossing my fingers because this supposedly the guy who came and missed my eye. It's like, yeah, they just started this service a year and a half ago. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully they'll stay in business and honor your insurance and all that. I mean, Terminex is a big company. I, yeah. I, it seems pretty likely they'll be around. So. Or at least be acquired by somebody that'll keep them around and honor their agreements. So, yeah. It's not but, like some startup. But uh, this past Friday, I had the fence. Well, we had the neighbor and I had the t- fence torn down. They replaced it with a vinyl mm-hmm. uh, plastic fence. Uh, and during the course of Then you got to watch out for those vinyl termites. Well, <laughs> so this is the thing. Supposedly, it's good up to 150 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, heat temperature before anything, you know, before. We should not get that high. Well, but, put know, it this way. You should be not there if it ever got up I to know. 150 degrees. But, but like the, the back of my mind are those photos <laughs> from not this year, but the previous heat wave uh-huh. not here but in arizona where they showed all these park benches that were made out of uh tables and benches made out of recycled plastic and they're all yeah. sagging because of but the that's heat. not what your fence is made out of so you should be fine yeah yeah they didn't make it out of recycled plastic they made it out of they just call it vinyl siding so yeah so uh, vinyl vinyl's pretty pretty heat tolerant because you use heat to make it yeah. yeah i mean actually you don't use heat to make it i take that back you just make it in a test tube but um, you know, and, and that got me all thinking, which is weird because I get. You don't it, think often. Well, I think often, <laughs> but I, I, I have like, for, some people have anxiety complexes where it locks them up, and I have an anxiety complex that literally sends my brain into overdrive where sure. I start doing this weird, cascading, uh, kind of decision logic tree, uh, and it's like, well, maybe if it gets too hot. Like, do I still want to live down here? Do I need to start figuring out where I need to move to? Where? Oh, trust me. When it got 117 here two years ago, I am. That's when I was at the height of my like. So, how do we move to Hawaii? Let's go. Let's like, do it. Well, 
I mean, we weren't planning it was like, oh, maybe we should move to Washington State or, uh-huh. you know, something where it's you know, cooler radio. I don't know. But... I remember thinking of that, too. Like, oh, maybe Seattle's better. And then the next year they had fires in Washington. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. Where was it? <laughs> Nowhere is safe. <laughs> and it's and it's and that's when you just kind of throw up your hands. It's like, ah. yeah. Well, especially now that Europe is on fire, you're like, well, like, come on, all the all the all the locales are slowly being crossed off of my list. Yeah, maybe we should bring down the temperature of the planet somehow. I, you know, and I, I I've had. I've, I know, I know. I'm not a scientist. Like you don't, you don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I I know that there's that project they had in Iceland where they ran a little the university or researchers scientists uh, ran a little uh, 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 proof of concept where they could basically pull the CO2 out of the air mm-hmm. and they basically stripped it so it was just carbon and O2 and what it, what it ended up being was just like these gray blocks that yeah. they ended up with mm-hmm. and I'm wondering like if if we could scale that or if there was a way to capture the CO2 through like a and a synthetic form of um, uh, what do plants do uh, uh, with the chlorophyll? Oh, I, oh, I know this. Photosynthesis? The, that's it. Uh-huh. Synthetic photosynthesis. Yeah. Like that you could just, you know, uh, take, extract the CO2 out of the air and just have enough of those. And then take the excess CO2 and just like put a giant tin around a forest and just pump it full of CO2. Yeah. Turns out there is no lack of possible solutions <laughs> to the problem. Uh, it, it, there, there's all kinds of things you could do. There's all kinds of people who are smarter than both of us uh, doing them or showing how they can be done, like you're talking about, uh, demonstrating prototypes. Some of them more practical than others. Some of them may take a little more research to make work than others. Uh, the big problem seems to be getting someone to do anything. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those uh, things where someone was waiting for. Is it is, is it the it's a case of waiting for someone else to make the first move? For example, I, I don't. I know exactly what you're meaning. Like, right? It, it's that 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 conundrum where like something bad has happened and everyone's waiting to see who will move first. And then yeah. once someone moves, then everybody springs into action and 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 all of that. They teach you that in uh, first responder training. That you know, you should always be the first one to move because once you do, everyone else will will jump in too. Um, but I don't know if that's really what's going on because what would be the first move, right? It's it's more complex than that. It's not like, well, Roger, if you would just go outside and go, let's bring the the, the temperature of the planet down, suddenly everyone else would jump into action. Like it it takes more than that. Well, and you know, you, you're you you get there has to be a significant. You know, a, a significant group, a, a section of the population that it, that that would go along with it. I there think. is, there yeah. is a predominance of the population that will go along with it. It's it's getting the organizations, not people, the organizations that can affect the kind of massive change that it would take to do the things it would take. And I know that I hear the the knee jerk reaction of like well it's because of the corporations are too greedy but corporations are made up of people and people know that this is bad uh i think we've moved past the idea that people don't think it's bad uh now it's a it's a matter of like uh, getting getting the the organizations that 
have to do the hard things that would change the situation to do it. And that's a common human problem. I was I was wondering, I was thinking about this the other day. I was wondering if a, a, a like a novel about the introduction of sewers uh, would would be a nice metaphor for this because f- for a long time people were like sewage you just send it into the river and it goes away like what's the big deal and then as populations got bigger and bigger suddenly the river didn't carry it all away but you know what it was still kind of in the river so that's fine uh, as long as it's not in the streets. Oh, crap. Now it's in the streets. Well, but as long as it's moving in the streets, that's fine. Right. It wasn't like big sewage was out to stop people from from creating sewers. It was it was that we don't want to do the hard work if we don't have to. And we kind of some with a lot of things like that, we wait until you have something like happened in, in London. I don't remember when it was where 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 sewage just spilled out into the streets. And, and then finally someone listened to the person who had the idea of like, hey, what if we send it all underground into big tunnels? It'll be a big project. Trust me, we're going to spend a lot of hard work uh, doing this, but it'll be worth it. That That's that's where we're at is like it's not just greed. It's also like, that's a lot of work. And I I don't know if my organization should be the one that has to do it. I don't know if my country should be the one that has to do it. It's, it's, it's getting the, the not willpower, but the, the motivation to be the organization that has the capability and willingness to do it. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, and I think, I think you need to have traumatic periods because like, Things like the New Deal back back at least in the U.S. like during the Great Depression. I think you need some sort of like trigger or trigger or something that really kind of kind of kicks people into like okay, we're all going to go into. It. I mm-hmm. mean, e- even then, I mean, there was still a lot of pushback, but I think there there was enough of a critical mass of people to kind of push it over uh, uh, the the reluctance aspect of it. And I'm wondering if you could do the same thing. The other thing is like what what would you do initially would it be to limit carbon emissions would it be uh would it would it be to like for example hey we're we're going to start limiting the number of days you can drive your car right like for example mexico say i don't know if they still do this but back in the 1990s it was a thing where they would you could drive only on certain based on the number plate on your license plate mm-hmm. Odd numbers could drive on certain days, and even numbers would drive the the other days. And therefore, there would be it, it was a congestion thing, less than a pollution thing. But like, would people be be amenable to something like that? Where, okay, you you can't drive on these days, but you can drive on these other days. I mean, I'm sure there are much smarter people already have something worked out. That the problem with those kinds of solutions is they are so disruptive to everyday life that the disruption they're solving has to be equally obvious. And the and the problem with the warming of the earth is that it's not with you every second, right? It's not with you every day. So, I'll, I'll, and also I think a lot of people are like, well, it's not my fault. I, I'm not the cause of it, even though we are all carbon emitters. We all exhale carbon dioxide. <laughs> but, but people are like, well, why should I be the one to fix it? And then there are people who are like, well, even though I didn't cause it, I feel good by doing something about it. And then they use paper straws or, uh, you know, uh, 
tr- try not to drive a car as much and stuff. And that's good. I'm not I'm not trying to put that down, but that's not the solution. The 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 industrial production so far outweighs uh, human production that it would take a massive solidarity of of individuals doing something to make much of a difference. Whereas if you can get like massive organizations to change, suddenly you get a big effect uh, very quickly. So it's it's really hard to get humans to do stuff. And even when you pass a law like, oh, now you can only drive on these days, people flaunt it if they're not motivated by the reason for it. And they're like, you know, they figure out ways around it and they, they swap their plates or, you know, just sneak around and drive anyway. And so it's, you have to have people on board with wanting to fix it for it to work, whatever, whatever the solution is. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and trans, you know, transportation being like the largest percentage share of, of the emissions, you know, I mean, it's, it is, it, it is. Transportation a may be, I, I, I haven't actually looked at the stuff. I, I, I don't disbelieve that, but isn't it mostly from like airplanes? <laughs> Not from well, cars. It's, well, like, so the actual, I, I looked this up for some reason, like, I think it's cause it was, I saw the heat wave coming and it got me thinking about leaving. Uh, and I was looking, it's like, it, it was actually not as high. Like it was maybe in the high single digits, but not, not in the double digits. But then you uh, have transportation is 27%, but electric power is 25%. Industry is 24%. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like transportation is 50%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but it's, but it's, it's but you know why we, we go after transportation because it appeals to that individual sensibility of, Oh, you could do something about it, but that's also much harder. You can get the electric industry to just convert to non-emitting power, which is fewer organizations. Boom! You've knocked out a quarter of it. You can get industry uh, to you know capture carbon or st- or stop emitting. Suddenly, you've knocked out half of it. Uh, commercial and residential is only thirteen percent. Agriculture is eleven percent. I'm just I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on transportation, but just because it's the biggest doesn't mean it's the one you have to fix it with. Um. Yeah, I mean, power generation definitely. Yeah. I would. There was a uh, interesting interview that Andrew Heaton had on his bonus podcast on political orphanage with a guy who works for a company uh, that's trying to get solar arrays in orbit oh, and yeah. do the microwave transmission down. And, you know, I mean, obviously he works for the company, so he's going to have the rosier view of it. But the way he described it, he's like, with launch prices coming down, he's he said the 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 biggest the biggest uh, impediment right now is just getting people to build it uh, and, and, and put it into space. He's like, then the next impediment would be building the receivers on the ground and, and making sure, you know, that there's a, there's a business behind that. But, and there's a lot of ifs there, trust me, I'm, I'm not saying this is like, Oh, this is the, the solution. Is- but, but if you could get those things uh, overcome, by like say 2030 he 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 was saying in in his estimates by 2030 you could deliver most of the world's power from space because once you're out of the atmosphere your solar efficiency goes way up and that that part's absolutely true because you don't have anything in the well, way what's the longevity of those panels before you need to that's that's the part where i wasn't i wasn't paying close enough attention uh to to know what was going on but he was talking about a new material that's really light because you don't have to um, do all the things you do in an atmosphere uh, for for collection, and he's like it, he was describing it basically as you know like aluminum foil, so it it lasts forever on human timescales. 
Um, I don't know about the why I said is I didn't listen closely enough. Did he address the, you know, the electronics and and that part of it? But I would believe that if it worked at all, that the individual satellites would would last, you know, in the decades. I I could see that being reasonable. Satellites last in the decades, after all. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's there's definitely multiple vectors on this. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And it goes back to like, you know. And then, you know, unfortunately, the willingness with, to get people to solve stuff with climate change, you know, the availability of hydroelectricity becomes not as stable as it once was. Yeah, it turns out maybe that one's uh, yeah, not going to so, be the one to save us when there's I no mean, water. It, it's <laughs> it, it. There are so many. There are so many ways to approach it. And yeah, it, exactly. And right. I, and I, I expect. I firmly expect to have different uh, different workable solutions depending. On the geographic uh, location, for example, Iceland is has run pretty well on geothermal, right? Uh, Produce because they live next to a volcano. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like I'm thinking things like you know, especially in the southwest, you know, solar could easily be a, 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 a at least a majority of the generation capacity. Really, the the question is how is storage, right? Can you build enough right. batteries? Can you we're build getting enough? close to the batteries that are needed to make that really practical. Like, oh yeah, just just store all the solar and then then redistribute it. But we're not quite there. Well, we're I mean, close, but we're not quite there. There there are other solutions to storage, which I found really yeah, yeah. really yeah, good. like the water the water stuff where you well, the the water where you basically pump the water back yeah. into the reservoir. To, mm-hmm. But the other one is I get this is to basically build a giant hole cylindrical hole in the ground and mm-hmm. you have a giant stone that yeah yeah you, that you that you crank up when you have energy and then as you need energy in the evening you, you let you gravity let the stone pull it. fall yeah 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 and it turns a turns a generator in the process i mean that honestly all of that stuff that that's not that's not really the hard part i guess if you don't need batteries you could you could put all that stuff together then it comes back to the motivation and the will yeah. to do the hard work because while those don't need batteries they are more expensive and take more work uh yeah it's to, definitely to put more time place. yeah and and i think the motivation's getting greater as the you know world burns <laughs> i think that yeah. that's a good motivator it's unfortunate that that's the way the human mind works uh but if i had to guess it won't be you know all of the world's nations coming together uh in an agreement uh that that brings down climate change it's going to be continued pressure from multiple areas causing multiple solutions some of which can be widespread and some of which will be local and it'll be a hodgepodge of things and maybe something if not that solar from space thing will come up there will be something where it's like oh this is something we didn't have before and because so many people were motivated to solve this you know we we took a thousand chances and one of them paid off and now we have x whatever it is someone's gonna so they're gonna create a genetically modified tree or plant that sucks in like like five times as much that'd be amazing right the carbon tree yeah like like, you you joke it but like then it becomes like no i'm not joking it's great i mean it it, it, it's it's plausible we'll we'll say and then you end up with like a day day of the triffids event where they start moving (laughs) but it's I, I and that would be a tourist destination. Come see the giant carbon trees that just suck I mean, the carbon out of the. If you can have a petrified forest, why not a moving forest? Right? It's like, oh, they move on their own. Come. Why do they need to move suddenly? I don't know. Because uh, it's better for tourism. That's 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 what catches people's eyes. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, they, I, they could be self-powered by their own yes. carbon. Or you have like, you know, like again, synthetic trees that do the synthetic uh, uh, photosynthesis. Um, there, there's, it, it's, it's, you know, you know, human civilization is is weird because throughout history you have things where you had large civilizations. Then you know, for some mysterious, when I say mysterious, just basically unknown reasons why. Yeah, mysterious is what the History Channel calls it. <laughs> uh, for example, like Mesoamerican pre-Columbian, you know, uh, civilizations. I was were- thinking about that, and you know, I meant to do a search, and uh, maybe you know off the top of your head, maybe you don't, but uh, did China ever have ruins? On the on the level of the Mayans or the or the Romans, did did it ever have one of its dynasties fall so far down that they just you know had abandoned palaces and and things? I I don't think I've ever heard of that. I've I've known their civilizations, but not like what you're describing because China China up until I mean I know they they speak of China as like a thousand year old history, but it's also a collection of civil wars and various fiefdoms yeah you know, yeah subsuming other ones well and i just don't know his the the chinese history enough to know if there was but there has never been the only the only I guess one the i the great think, wall kind of is that right it 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 wasn't continuously maintained no it wasn't and it doesn't even connect all the way through. yeah yeah but i know that i know there are ones like what you're describing in southeast asia but mm-hmm. um but I don't know of any in. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, some like uh, jungle temples that are abandoned and yeah, like that are uh, impressive, like kind of like the Cam- Mayans, yeah. Cambodia, and, uh-huh. and and some. Right, isn't Angkor Wat? Yeah, I think was, it's wasn't that abandoned for a period of time. Is one of those, yeah. I, but I think that was due to the conflict, um, mm-hmm. and they had to to. Yeah, whereas but, Roman society just collapsed. <laughs> like, well, well, and that's what I was trying to think. I was like, Roman and Mayan society just collapsed, and everybody just moved out into s- small villages. But I was trying to think of what other, what other examples of that we have in human history that went well, that high and then fell. And ruins is kind of the the well, signal that that happened. There are there are plenty of um, Native American tribes, the mound builders. And yeah, the, in uh, uh, Cahokia, the, around the mm-hmm. around the Mississippi. Yeah, where uh, I grew up. No, totally. You're right. So Cahokia is another one. I guess Egypt is too. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, even though they collapsed, there were still people around them. Well, yeah, and same with Rome. It's not like people stopped living in Italy. But I think I think what what makes the uh, the Mesoamerican one so tantalizing is that the jungle literally overgrew like grew right, over the city right, so yeah. it was lost um and you yeah know, it'd the, be like if people people moved out of out of central rome and then rome got covered with jungles you know yeah. and you had I to mean, dig people, through it to find the Colosseum. people were still using parts of the egyptian cities yeah, yeah. people were still using parts of the roman empire and rome itself it's not like everyone just like oh rome's a ghost town uh right well but, and, and i'm i'm lumping greek civilization in there because greek civilization was subsumed by roman civilization so the 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 like the parthenon and all of that 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 was still in use under roman rule it wasn't till rome fell that that all went into ruins and um you know and it's and it's kind of weird because the way we look at history we often look with it we we often look with kind of a misleading idea. 
for one one of the things, and it's slight tangent, is because I, you know, when you mentioned the Parthenon, and I remember growing up, it's like, man, the Greeks really liked the color white. Like everything was oh, white. Oh yeah, the yeah. Statues right. are white. The, uh, that's a classic example, right? And and they found out later, and they did uh, um, high level uh, uh, my my Electron they looked at it real close. Yeah, and they and they could see paint flecks and and not yeah. just paint, but also dyes and stuff. And they were able to kind of reconstitute what these statues, these buildings looked like. It's like, oh my god, it's like moving from black and white TV to color yeah. TV. The like statues you, in particular, it's like, why did they just sculpt everyone in white? Well, they didn't. They were painted, and they looked like people. <laughs> yeah, and they and the eyes had lapis lazuli. Like uh-huh. Those a lot of the really kind of nice ornamentation were stolen. Right. Like when you look at the Egyptian uh, uh, pyramids, people think they're kind of rough, like, mm-hmm. oh, they must have been cracked. It's like they weren't. They were actually had very they're nice, very clean stone on the outside. But over the centuries, people needed the stone to build other things. So they just took it mm-hmm. like they just pulled it off the, the, the pyramids. And then the, the crazy Europeans went and tried to emulate the Romans by building all their statues in one <laughs> one color. <laughs> I, it's 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 a very Romans would come to Europe in, in like the Renaissance times and be like, oh, man, your, st- your statues are so boring. <laughs> I mean, it, it is such a it is such a quirk. Yeah, of the way we look at things that we assume, or I don't want to say we assume, but we draw incomplete conclusions based on a lot of. Uh, we draw conclusions based on the information at hand, and we don't always have all the information. That you know, I, I know it's tempting to like make fun and be like, "Oh, those those the dumb humans," uh, you know. But it's it's really just it's it's a human trait to look at something that you think is important and emulate it. And if you look at Roman statues, thinking they're important, which you know they they were a very complex civilization, and you don't know any better, you think, oh, those important people uh, made all white statues. I guess that's what you know a, a, a successful civilization does. That's what we'll do too. It's funny. I, I mean, in a way, it's kind of the the way we we try to replicate uh, various social strata, like always, we, all through. Always. Yeah, humans always we, do that. We have affectations. I remember a period of time, and I was talking to and and. Uh, uh, in my JC, I was talking to uh, Dr. Jones, who was my English teacher, um, and uh, she was saying, like, you know, I, I had a friend who was British, and he recounted a tale of, like, how he was able to travel the entire length of the United States based solely on his accent. Like, he he got a lot of mileage because of the way he acted and the way he oh, sounded. Oh, because the perception of, of the accent is exactly. higher class or and whatever. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't until Americans were exposed to a more diverse range of British accents that mm-hmm. you understood there were various uh, socioeconomic indicators that were all kind of wrapped into it. Well, um, and, and, and it's, again, it's tempting to be like, how dumb are Americans? But it it's a lack of information. If you're, again, we as humans, we all do this. You, I know people listening might want to exempt themselves, and maybe you are the exemption, but everyone else... Uh, we look at successful things and we use that as a shortcut to identify other successful things. It's an evolutionary advantage to be able to go, oh, when that person has the the thick fur coat, that means they're real good at hunting. Maybe I should buddy up with them and I'll you know get some benefit from their great hunting or learn their great hunting skill. Like it's, it's not a bad thing to do that. Uh, but it does cause these funny things where like we're only exposed to the highest level of 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 English society, either 
in person or through movies or, or radio. And then we're like, oh, well, I guess a British accent means like you're really high class. And no, you're lacking some information. But that's how that happens. I mean, it's it's so weird because as a kid, I used to think that like if you were successful, you needed to have a very expensive car because that was yeah, what right, it. right. And then it wasn't until later, until like you know, because my dad ran a restaurant and we had we had a pretty I wouldn't say diverse clientele, but it was definitely on the older range, you know, uh, senior range. But there were a lot of very successful people in that too. And what I noticed was like the ones that seemed the most unassuming. I would later learn were like the ones that were like yeah. super minted, but they didn't, they didn't have all the accoutrements that you would, you know, assume as a sign of success. Well, it goes back to my, my, uh, evolutionary example, right? If, if you have the thickest coat, everyone thinks you're a good hunter. So they all want to take advantage of that. And pretty soon you learn like, man, I better not wear that thick coat because then everybody tries to take advantage of me. Yeah. Like you, you, you learn to be a little more discreet, a little more, you know, uh, and it was just, it it boggled my mind because like you show the status when you need to gain the status, you'd stop showing the status once you have the status. When your entire understanding of culture, and I've known a few people like this is based solely on popular media. You know, you think lifestyles on the rich and famous is how all, Mm -hmm. you know, rich people live. And, and so you build a very unrealistic, expectation or idea of how things work right i used to think that government jobs are really boring you just go in with a suit you punch your you 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 do your thing and then Mm -hmm. you leave and then you know i as i got older there are different types of government jobs right you could you you could work for the department of justice you could work for for all these things and some of those dea is a government job right (laughs) like you know i i found out my because my best friend is his his uh father worked for the department of justice i wasn't really sure what he did but he had a lot of cool stuff that had stickers that Department of Justice, uh, you know, uh, equipment do not use for private purposes. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just like a laptop you had hanging around his house. But it was, it, it, you know, there's all these things you think you understand, but you really don't. What? But because yeah. you don't, you 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 draw incomplete conclusions and you try to move forward with those that sometimes doesn't work. And there's there's nothing wrong with drawing conclusions from incomplete information as long as you're aware. That's that's the key. That's the key for me in get, as I've gotten older to, to doing better in life is understanding, ah, I'm going to draw a conclusion based on the information I have, but I should remember I don't have all the information and this conclusion may need to be changed when I get more information. So I, I think the mistake people make is not drawing conclusions from incomplete information, but kind of settling on it and and saying, well, there you go. Now I know how the world works. And it's like, well, you, you might, but you might not. You might not have all the information. So so be aware of that. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely good to assume that you don't know everything when you come into a situation. I love what Andrew Heaton says. Uh, he says he assumes at any given point that half of what he believes is wrong. He just doesn't know what half. And so he's always looking... Uh, to find something that helps him understand which half it is. You know, it's that's actually a really good good uh, rule of thumb because you know it's a lot of the stuff we think we know about a situation is stuff that we just have sort of cobbled together from yeah. from things that are like like oh I heard this or I saw that and. Um, you know, and, and, and also things change, right? The way yes. things worked 20 years ago don't right. work the same way. 
things that I believed that were true in my 20s are not true anymore. Like the best way to reach someone is to send them a, a letter in the post office, right? Like that was true, maybe not even in my 20s, but but certainly when I was in my teens. Uh, yeah, you want to reach someone that's not not nearby, uh, you, you send them a letter or you give them a phone call. Uh, today, probably the better way would be text message or Slack or something else, right? All, all my... All my all my experience uh, trying to apply and get into college don't work. Not a doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All that, that stuff all changes. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad I don't have to date. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't speaking know. of something that has changed a lot. It, it, it's changed, but it hasn't changed. I the, guess you're the, right. I guess you're right. Like, there are certain parts of it that are eternal. It's just the like, methods. You know, yeah, like if you're if you're going out with someone and you just don't click. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, that part doesn't really no, change. There's no one amount of apps that you're. <laughs> true, true. All right. Uh, well, thanks everybody uh, for listening in on East meets West. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, until next time, which hopefully will be next month. Could be two months. Hey, maybe it'll be next week. Who knows? Uh, enjoy yourself. Subbrilliant.com/slash/emw. Talk to you later. Bye.